Uh, he's stupid. Uh, I can't afford uh, another child. I'm going to pull a Mitsuko <laughs> and, and kill you. Speaking of uh, Mitsuko. <laughs> I hate that. Mitsuko? Mitsuko. Dude, Mitsuko is my favorite character in that movie. Uh, the movie Battle Royale. No, I see, I hate entering this show. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to do it now. Hello and welcome no. to Midnight Matinee. <laughs> Go ahead, do it. Lead us in. I don't Hello. care. We're this week, welcome. we're watching Chris's favorite movie inspired by the hit movie <clears throat> what don't go experiment <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh. yeah this movie was inspired by the belko experiment the japanese saw it and they were like you know what we would love to make our own take on this movie uh and then they took a time machine back 17 years prior to they belko experiment and released oh. it then oh yeah that's so now we're folding in time travel to this episode of Midweek Matinee, hosted by Chris Figueroa, exactly. talking about the movie Battle Royale, the 2000 Japanese flick that inspired an entire generation of free-to-play video games. <laughs> Way later. Yeah. yeah, you know, pack up your pitchforks and get on the party bus, because we're dropping hot, boys. Okay. Battle Are we dropping like it's hot? I mean... It is kind of crazy how it inspired so many games, like... 20 years later maybe 17 i guess i mean it is a really yeah. good setup i'd say 15 because PUBG started getting big in like 16 right Was that's it that what i remember okay, hearing yeah. about it um honestly dude time remember. is flying and it feels like it's going so slow mm-hmm. so <laughs> speaking of time going slow uh what's your name blake blakeford blakeford pops Popst? yeah pops uh, po- if you mispronounce my name again i'm gone pops like pops blue ribbon <laughs> <laughs> gonna start calling you uh pbr on the podcast how are you this week blake i'm fine have been better have you been better what, what yeah what could uh bring up your day another watch of that uh the if people Batman wouldn't trailer. mispronounce my name i didn't mispronounce your name dude <laughs> i'm hispanic i talk with an accent so pops oh, okay. is the best i could do well i apologize dude yeah for you my know, microaggression i mean seriously i'm offended and i'm hurt <laughs> And uh, for all my fellow Latinx out there, I hate that fucking word. Latinx? I hate it so much. Um, <laughs> anyway, also with me. But no, I am very good. Good, 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 good. I'm glad to hear that. How did you like the movie, Thank Blake? you. I liked the movie. It was very good. Yeah? Well, I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Brett, how about you? How did you like the movie this week? You know, <clears throat> if there's one thing that I know about this movie, mm-hmm. it's that it made me... Why? Why? Why do I have to do more editing work because of you? <laughs> it's because you mispronounced Blake's last. You know name. the worst. Thank you, Brad. You know the Someone worst part back. about that joke in the last episode. I'm gonna bleep it out again because, as you said, I have the power. Um, yeah. But the worst part about it is to bleep it out properly. I had to listen to you guys say that word like eight different times so I could figure <laughs> out exactly what wavelength it was so I could throw in the beep. <laughs> what Brett meant to say was that this movie made his wop. Oh, it did. You, you've got a wet ass pistol. It made it. It made my <laughs> point wireless access. Access. So it's what it was. Yeah. Are you a WAP two connect uh, secure? Should or? probably see a doctor if you need a bucket and a mop. Did you know that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, as Ben Shapiro's wife would say. I don't have sex. <laughs> so Brett, uh give me so expand on the movie a little bit. What did you think? Did it make you want to download a Battle Royale? How did you feel? 
the I think the first thing that kind of immediately crossed my mind is kind of like Blake said, like it's amazing that it inspired games so much later because the the movie in and of itself and the basic premise and the fact that they even call it a game, it just seems like an idea that was just ripe for gaming. Yeah. But then when you start thinking about the time period in which this movie came out, it starts to make sense. Right. In 2000, we were still getting a pretty early grasp on really understanding 3D graphics well and trying to make those games feel good. Yeah. Multiplayer wasn't this big thing. So I guess the movie was kind of ahead of its time in that sense. Yeah. But I guess it's still just surprising to me that we did not see games really try and do this until the earliest example that I can think of. And it clearly still wasn't this exact idea. Mm. But the earliest example of like, hey, how many people can we just get in and be like, hey, everybody, let's try and kill each other, was Mag on PlayStation Three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where it's like, you know, we're gonna have two hundred fifty-six players way on too one many. map. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was interesting. It was a it great was box number, but way too many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so you know, we didn't see that really come around until much later, and then we saw it just kind of take the storm because it's obviously such a gamified idea. So yeah, it was really interesting and. Also, the other thought that I could not get out of my brain, and I've not just watched a ton of Japanese live action movies yeah. or, you know, like, you know, real movies. Um, it just seems so much like an anime. Yeah. Like, the entire time I was watching, I was like, is this just an anime? Well, it is. Like, the, yeah, I mean, manga, yeah, it's what it felt it's, like. It's, uh, I actually bought it once I finished the movie, but there's a book. Oh. And then there's, based uh, off of a, manga and then there's, manga, there's a book whatever. and then there's a manga. So I couldn't. The only copies of the manga I could, or manga, I guess I should pronounce that properly. Yeah, it's actually manga. manga. Usa, <laughs> motherfucker. Guardian uh, <laughs> But yeah, the only copies of it I could find were like six hundred dollars or something crazy like that. Jesus. So I'm assuming it's super out of print. Um, yeah. But I did buy the actual novel. It's like six hundred bucks. It's supposed to be. Or, I'm sorry, six hundred pages. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Holy, I must say. Hey, let me good, hold some of that, man. <laughs> damn. No, six hundred. Let, let me like thirty dollars. Fuck. <laughs> I won't say the. I won't say the amount. But Chris did message me like a month ago and was like, somehow or another, I came into insert large number of casts. Yeah. <clears throat> I. I'm still paranoid. It felt like you were trying to like stunt on me while not stunning on me. No, I was trying to give an explanation for why I was considering building another PC after building a PC less than a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's it's because like getting tattoos of which I have none, but I have plenty of friends who do. It's addictive, dude. It's an addiction. I've got 14 tattoos and I got all of them in a two year period. I haven't had one in like five years. Yeah, I miss it. But I was Did just like to, in the fucking tattoo shop turkey? every day. <laughs> I can't keep coming back, Mac. I can't keep letting you ink me up. <laughs> <laughs> so the way you quit tattoos cold turkey is that you go and buy a deli turkey from like a deli and just every day when you Rub start it on your you just you just slap that turkey on there, that <laughs> butterball turkey, and you just. Mm. No. See, you're making. No, but it, they did tell me, like, you can't come back because you're have three tattoos that are healing right now and your body like will start rejecting it (laughs) It, yeah that's that is true the actual way that you uh break out of uh, tattoo addictiveness is you buy a bunch of the you know temporary tattoos and you put them on and then when they're fading shower no you just let them fade and it it helps you come to terms with the fact that not everything is forever you know that makes sense are forever 
Some things are forever, but diamonds. Specifically, some things that were not forever were the friendships in this movie because everybody dies except for three people. Uh, spoilers: <laughs> If you've never heard of a battle royale, that is the point that they <laughs> go in. More people than I wanted to live, though. To be well, fair. clearly, this movie is inspired by Apex. That's yes, what I'm learning. Yes, yes. It was uh, Bangalore and Lifeline and Gibraltar were hanging out at the end of the movie. Uh, at the end of the movie, <laughs> like, ah, oh, we win, brothers. That's that's how Gibraltar <laughs> talks in the game. I don't know if you know that. Not being ins- insensitive, uh, battle royale in Japanese actually is pronounced actually, Apex. Chris. Yes. That was a uh, that was cultural appropriation, and I uh, I'm gonna need you to apologize online for that. No. Uh, <laughs> hey, if Adele has to do it after dressing like a Rastaman, she doesn't need to what? apologize for cultural appropriation. She needs to apologize for looking like a fucking idiot in public. Uh, that's that's probably the bigger thing. Um, yeah. So, how did we <laughs> feel about the setup for this movie? I liked the way they set it up. Watching this movie, you can clearly tell that this and Hunger Games are the same. But I think Hunger Games sets up. I mean, in concept. No, they're they're the same movie. Um, Hunger Games sets up their their thing a little bit better, in my opinion. Right? Like, I know Blake, you just finished a rewatch of them. Yeah. So, how did you feel on that setup? Because for me, it felt a little sudden, especially with Kitano coming back, that teacher who got stabbed. It it, yeah. it kind of felt like a revenge thing um, to me. But go ahead, tell me how you felt. I don't. Like, the only thing that I really see as similarities is, like, the Battle Royale aspect, economic collapse. But besides that, like, that's it. Like, everything else is different about it. How the girl and guy at the end were in love and protected each other the entire time. How there was a girl, uh, two girls in this one, but one girl in the other one who wanted peace and didn't want to kill anybody. It's the same shit. I think that's just... Because isn't doesn't that have to be a trope of this? I mean, realistically, you wouldn't... Okay, I'm not going to say that for sure. But I think, naturally speaking, most people are going to identify with this movie and still be able to get over the natural breakdown of humans, you know, and, and how relationships go when you're put in bad situations. I think yeah. the reason that you can watch that and kind of still like be compelled to watch the movie is that you normally find a couple of characters that you feel like match with you. And I feel like most people are going to be like, yeah, I wouldn't want to have to kill somebody. So those end up becoming compelling characters. Now, I yeah. was going to say, but I think it would have been wrong to say that I wouldn't want to watch a movie like this with nothing but people who are all but happy to kill each other. I just don't know that it would have been nearly as compelling. There's something that's a little bit more like, oh, yeah, okay, let's. I want to see them get through this. See, about I'm the opposite. Yeah, I was about I to think say. 30 to 40 minutes of this movie could have been shaved off, and it would have been a much tighter experience and much better. I agree with that. I do agree but where with that. Would you... But I'm just saying the natural process of having people that you follow that are trying to be pacifist because – I just feel like it would feel less human, right? Because if it's all people who are into it, then it's not as the premise already falls apart because you're not taking people who didn't know it was coming into yeah. it, right? Sure. But and this is the weird thing that. about this. Yeah, that's what that's what confused me the most out of anything. And then my second note says it seems like the BR law would be a law that everyone would have heard of. Yeah. Like, how did you so, not hear about it? <clears throat> Well, Am I, I think, the only one that feels like the end of the movie kind of offers up that this is clearly not how this works? Yes, I think... Unless... 
Well, I'm, I'm curious to hear your take on it, Chris, because to me, the literal end of the movie undid everything to me where I have a feeling that this was just a small group of people, kind of like in Belko experiment, something that's yeah. not actually being done within the confines of the law, but there's a group of people who are putting themselves under as if they were the law and, and kind of doing this on their own. Yeah, it kind of felt, it kind of felt to me like almost like MK ultra in a lot of ways where like everybody knows it happened and it probably went on, but like can't prove it and that kind of thing because they were very clearly like kidnapped right it wasn't like oh you guys are slammed on the head this year's tributes to use a hunger games term you know what i mean so exactly they were knocked out yeah they had no idea of what was going on it seemed to me that the kids wouldn't have known it because i think the whole reason that that was put into place was to punish truancy that's what i picked out from the movie so these kids who weren't showing up to class were the reason that this happened outside of the fact that they stabbed their teacher and the teacher i think just took revenge on the class i don't know if and if anything you were talking about the setup and Going back to that, one of my one of my big things, even though I did enjoy the movie, like, I'm actually kind of glad I bought it. I have a feeling I might watch this again. It was actually a really fun one. Yeah, watch. I want to watch it again. But, and I want to get into that a little bit more because it's just a curiosity sure. to me that, or I just want to see what makes this different than other things. But going back to that, from the get-go, I almost wonder if I was like, did I misread something? Because it just feels like the setup is really flimsy mm-hmm. and it doesn't really feel like anything holds. And, but at the same time, you have all these things going on that are trying to almost convince you in the moment that it's it. Yeah. But in the long run, I think the fact that these people don't know, because the world doesn't do enough to build outside of the fact of why there might be a reason that these children would not know, <clears throat> Well, then maybe, you know, maybe if something was set up to where it's like, you know, children are kept and sheltered and don't, you know, are not part of the law system, nor are they even knowledable yeah. of the law system until they reach a certain age. I guess, sure, then maybe that would that. that would be a pretty quick explanation that would be able to pull me into this a little bit more. And then when you get to the end, you know, as it's all being acted and treated as if it's supposed to be something from a uh, from a government standpoint, like a law was put into place. Mm-hmm. But then these kids who survived it, as they should have, are wanted. Well, unless <clears> they're <throat> wanted for the murder specifically of the teacher that's what i think yeah. so. no that's i think, think it's specifically too. the murder of the teacher because there were other winners um well here's the problem with that osaka had what osaka sorry but the the as far as the system was concerned they t- those two were dead no they weren't they never confirmed the kills that was a whole thing but but my point is is that there'd be no there's no 100 percent sure way uh, I guess the the way you'd be able to go back is to say that you you didn't find their bodies. Well, yeah, that's what, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, the teacher's dead. But two people feels, gone. Every bit of it feels flimsy, and like the core crux of the movie and what it's talking about while they're on the island, I'm all for. Mm-hmm. But the setup and then the eventual return to the mainland, I don't think they hold up very well. Well, see, I don't and I'm not going to say that it's not that there's not a good explanation in the manga or the book, but I would say that at least this movie opts for a few scenes that could have been deleted in favor of giving me a few scenes that actually set the movie up and the premise up in a way that solves that issue and brings me that much more into the world so that I don't have to think while I'm watching these, you know, people kind of turn on each other and see what happens with human nature, which is fun to do, but I don't have to have that constant thing in the back of my head. Like, but why is this even happening? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, um, 
They should have cut all of the flashback crap. Oh, I completely disagree with you, actually. I think that was the single reason this movie works for me. See, I disagree. I don't think that or any of the times that people were just laying around and talking and hanging out about like who they are. These None of these characters I cared about in any way whatsoever. And so them talking about their lives before this and who they care about and like, I didn't care about. I think that's all the stuff they could have cut. And it would have been a much tighter experience just watching these kids kill each other. Yeah, see, that's, I don't think any of the characters were likable. I, don't, I didn't come out of this movie happy that anyone lived. Whereas... With the Hunger Games, since we mentioned earlier, I'll, I'll talk about again. Like I cared about all those characters because it spent so much time, and I understand that's four movies compared to one. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's it's very different in and of itself in that regard. But yeah. I didn't care about any of these characters at all, and I didn't care, and that made me not care for almost half the movie. Mm. That's interesting because I well, I don't think this I personally don't think this movie works for me if I don't have those scenes because those scenes were the reason that I. I never like was upset to see anybody die, but it was one of those things where I'm like, oh, okay, he had stuff that he wanted. Like I think I'm thinking specifically of that's the one name I didn't write down, of course. But when uh, that the guy with the tracker, the guy with the tracker goes and he finds the girl that he had a crush Shiro. on. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. scene yeah. Yeah. was really powerful to me because when she was dying and she or when he died and she was like, well, you never told me, you know that kind of stuff. Like I really liked that. You know, I yeah. liked, and I will say one of the things I think may keep you, and I, I'm Blake. I really don't know how you are with, and clearly I'm not as good in terms of in the live action thing. But again, when I read this as more of an anime and like feeling like anime and video game plot points and how they're being worked out and dramatized, and even some of the things that are kind of over the top in a weird way, like the the TV girl who's like, I love that. I want you to roll. Call. Oh, I love that. I love the section, but you know, it's very anime and it's very of japanese culture yeah and the so teacher like really getting into it it's, uh, like <laughs> japanese yeah sorry I didn't uh, talk but about you. no you're fine but i think going towards because i'm in the ballpark with chris on this i am very much in the fact that the, the i think the flashbacks do a lot I, I if anything i'd say that the abundance of seeing the same flashback multiple times could potentially be cut even though i still know what they were going for and it didn't take me out of the movie but it still probably could have made the movie a little bit sharper and a little tighter um but going back to like what they are in general i'm very much in the thing of chris on this that at least for me and chris i if i'm speaking to a point where it's not in line with you please feel free to interrupt for sure but the way that i felt about those moments and specifically, the the flashbacks are important. Yeah, definitely for characters like uh, Mitsuko and whatnot. Um, but when you're thinking about more of this heart, like uh, on the island, let's cut flashbacks out for now. On the island, I actually really loved a lot of the scenes of getting to see people working together and trying to be together and kind of. Um, for lack of a better term, I think it's the only thing that makes this movie feel human. Right. Sure. If you don't have the scenes of people kind of going through and being like, hey, you know what? We have three days. Whereas, like, you know, the Belco experiment exists in a little different. Uh, if you don't kill a certain number of people, then they're going to go ahead and preemptively kill this number of people. Even if the ultimate goal for Belco is always to get down to one person the moral stakes are different and the timeline is much smaller. So in a movie like this, where you have three days and you're dealing with teenagers who are getting thrown into such a rough situation and they've not even necessarily experienced the world as it, as it really is necessarily, then you have this situation where for a couple of days, you are going to see some of them 
kind of just try and escape from the reality that they're currently in for as often as they can mm-hmm. and kind of get together in their friends groups and talk and hang mm-hmm. out and for a little bit feel like they're not in this craziness well, yeah and I, some of the best parts of the movies are when you're seeing the people come through and then one of some of the most gut-wrenching parts of the movies uh, of the movie at the same time is when you see that trust that they've been like been building together be broken as the amount of time passes and they get closer to closer to this goal like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie yeah um is the one that involves specifically the whenever um shuya is bandaged up because the girl gets him and puts him in the lighthouse yes um, yeah yeah, that the, whole the scene poisoning, is fantastic. It's incredible. You have her saying that you know she likes him, which is a common thing where it's like he's finding out all these girls had crushes on him and whatnot, <laughs> which is very teenage, and I like that. It's like these are the things that teenagers are worried about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I like that because then when you go downstairs, you see the one who – the one who ironically doesn't get killed in the spat nor even – accused yeah. is the one who is actually sitting down there in the midst of all these people <clears throat> who are for a moment in time really working together banding together and trying to get through this all just to in the long run actually be the downfall of themselves because underlyingly you realize that as much as they were trying to escape reality they still in the back of their head knew the situation they were in and when that first thing that happened you get to see moments and moments and the implication of these last few days being building trust just for one thing to destroy all that trust to a detrimental level. And I yeah. love that. That's one of the best scenes of the whole movie. Oh yeah. That, that, that is that the kitchen scene is my favorite scene like by far. Yeah. yeah which is that, that's um, kind of, Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm going to keep going. I was just, <laughs> go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, I think the entire reason that that scene works is because we have that, what is it? Tw- probably fifteen minutes of the movie of everything being good, you know. Yeah, that scene doesn't work yeah. otherwise, and that's why you need those flashbacks. You need, you need the backstory on them. That's I think to go back to your Hunger Games comparison. Like I don't give a shit about any of those characters because they they're all just annoying to me. But there's no real setup to them unless you want to commit to the entire thing, you know. And my I haven't seen it in a while, but the last time I remember seeing it is kind of like. Katniss tributes herself and then especially in the book she just whines until she's on the island you know um whereas in this one I felt like it gave everyone who died a consequence even you know which we mentioned Mitsuki who for most of the movie I'm just watching because I'm like oh she's just badass and terrifying and it's super you know it's super nice to watch and then you get her flashback and you're like oh she's like super fucked up and she has this yeah. Yeah. this strength in her because of some super fucked up shit that happened with i'm assuming her father so i just well, don't think back. that flashback added anything like i was already Ow. excited to see her kill people but that's like, not what it was adding it wasn't adding excitement for her killing people it was explaining to you why she was so willing to kill people because she had she to survive. and i just don't think it was needed i just entirely disagree <laughs> i do as well like, i don't i mean it's fine but because i'd even go as far as to say you know they they come back to the flashback that kind of is this anchor point for so many people right where the you're, basketball being viewed game is like this this is the moment we're all together that basketball game and if you notice the last time they show it they actually spend a lot of time showing mitsuko 
and you get to see one more time even before all this stuff happened despite her flashback you also get to see her being alienated from this big group and so i think i i think that that flashback was so important yeah. because i agree that mitsuko is fun to watch because you don't know what her motivations are but i think the thing is is that if they would have never given that then suddenly since you never learn why her motivations are by the time the movie ends and you don't ever learn what they are i think it actually makes the character fall apart yeah. you do like know her motivations her, are, no you don't her motivation is to survive like that's but that's not that's not just some of the everyone has that same motivation right. and clearly they're not all acting like she is like what so right. we need to understand what it is that's making her the exception to most of these people who are at least being somewhat remorseful right like in, in their in their killing if if we don't get those flashbacks scene she's just for lack of a better word she's just a more attractive version of kiriyama and that's, I think, the biggest thing about him and being the villain is that we don't get flashbacks from him. We basically just yes. realize that this guy's basically a serial killer. He's just sanctioned to do it. And he's a villain because exactly. of that. And we don't have any, you know, oh, Kiriyama murdered his entire family because they were all raping him or something. You know, not to be insensitive, but there's no redemption yeah, no, exactly. for him. They're- Whereas her, you feel... You don't necessarily absolve her of what's going on outside of the fact that she has to do what she has to do. Like, realistically, she's the only one playing the game intelligently. But if you don't have that flashback, she's just a villain. Whereas when you get that flashback, she's no longer, to me, she's no longer a villain. She's another victim. Where if you don't get that, you don't see her as a victim at all, in my opinion. I think, honestly, if I think if you do see her as a villain at that point, without that flashback, if you, I'm sorry. Let me restart. If you don't see her her <laughs> flashback, you you see her as a villain and it kind of ruins her character. Not ruins her character, but it puts her in a different light, obviously, where the flashback makes her significantly more sympathetic and you're like, okay, I don't necessarily like that you just ambushed this girl who, was, who trusted you, but I get why because you saw what your father did to your mother because she couldn't stand up, you know? Well, not, not father. Because she says, who are you? Oh, I thought it was. So this was some random guy. And and I think that's more, you know, I think the implication with her mom is that her mom just had random guys coming in. And you have that quote from her mother of like, you know, be stronger than me. Yeah. And I love that because you get to see why she has that. But then you also understand you know in the the basically the molestation scene mm-hmm. i like that you see that strength develop in her right then but then carry forward and she has it's the kind of i it's the tragic irony in that it's very likely that part of the reason she's been a loner all this time is because she has this wall built up from these experiences she's had and that's yeah. again it adds that extra layer of character i think the best way for me to kind of break it down and i think chris because you're if you don't know it from this terminology i think i, I think it's used in this terminology but we're going to break it down into a, a want and a need mm. and great characters and not every character in this movie is great because not every character can be given that much time or this movie would be way too long but with a character like mitsuko yeah. right you have a want and then you have a need now you can say what you want to about what her want is and you can even have multiple wants the wants are more immediate and they're the things that you're supposed to immediately pick up on so one of the wants clearly like you said is the want to survive right but then as the movie goes on the what makes her character compelling by the time it's done and what makes her arc feel like it actually goes somewhere instead of just being a static arc is that you eventually find what the need is Mm -hmm. and the need is that she wants this feeling of being connected with everybody that she feels like she clearly hasn't getting she wants to be part of a group 
And so the need is supposed to be like this underlying thing that we eventually learn. And then the want, which is the want to survive, is actually fighting against that need. Mm-hmm. And that makes an interesting character. Right. And that's why I think that Mitsuko is one of the best characters in the game. Absolutely. Or in the, in the, in the game. game. <laughs> but well, it, yeah. I mean, technically, it is a game. Yeah. And, I, yeah I, and then I think the, like, like um, Chris said about uh, Kiriyama or whatever his name was, he's the perfect example of once you don't give those things to them, then he just gets to be the bad guy, which is fine because there should be a bad guy in the movie. Mm. Definitely since the teacher who I'm not remembering his name right now, uh, um, Katano Katasi or Katano. Uh, either way, the the teacher that comes in, they even find a way to make you somewhat sympathetic towards him. Right. He's still the villain, but he gets that sympathy treatment, whereas they let Kiriyama just exist as a pure villain, which is compelling for the movie because it gives you someone to just hate without having to worry too much about it while you get some more stuff from the other people. And mm-hmm. I like that because you kind of the movie even tries to give you a one-two fake with old um, – What's his name, too? I'm, uh, I'm blanking this, out. Uh, the other transfer Kawada, student. Um, Kawada, Kawada, however you want to pronounce that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really bad yeah. at all the names. Um, he was really fun. He, or he, he was a really fun character because you go through all these things, and he has all these things that are meant to make you question his motivations back and forth. And then the movie finally turns it after you finally start buying that maybe he is the good guy. Then the movie kind of turns it just to turn it all around again because he is the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and you know, I loved his so, run when he was given that bag in the beginning. He like ran down the hallway, yeah, and then just stopped. Yeah, I, yeah, and I, just stopped. I put in my notes, uh, Kawada's a fake Hardo. <laughs> um, see, those are the those are the anime right. characters, by the way. Oh yeah. As soon as I see them like sitting on the table and like they are both dressed in like yep, the very totally different. different clothing, yeah, definitely hair and Kiriyama. Kiriyama I was like, yeah, oh, that's sure. a villain if I've ever. Oh, seen Oh yeah, one. with the light, when it was everything in his face was shadow except his eyes, and he's just like staring into the whole corner. Um, I will say, Brett, on your point, and I'm sure I have a feeling this is what you were going to ask me, so I'm going to answer it now. The reason that this movie is better than Belko is because this movie has characters and Belko doesn't. <laughs> I was actually that that was my not even why is it better. My question was going to specifically be is it partially because there's much more character development, which I do think right. You know, this two-hour runtime, while I do think it's a it's a longer movie, yes, I think it is what makes this movie a bit more compelling. Actually, I'd say a lot more compelling than Belko because Belko only really gives you one character's arc, and it's only the main character. But the problem with that is that arc gets muddied by whether and where you stand on the moral gray area dilemma about who to kill when. Right. Since this movie deletes that middleman, I kept thinking, like, I like it, even though I liked Belko, it does make the movie easier to follow because you're not having to get wrapped up in this moral dilemma that starts to make you question, well, this moral dilemma is being focused on more than the characters themselves. And then once the one character who has a character arc goes Mm -hmm. through, if you don't agree with his side of the moral dilemma anyway, then you just feel like you've wasted time. Correct. Which is why I hate Belko so much. And I think part of this is, and it's, it was a point I made during the Belko podcast. I'm glad it can come up again because Every single person in this movie dies a different way. And yes. that was entirely my point with Belko, where there, there was no fucking reason that 90% of them had to die by fucking bombs. They could have done everything more interesting, and this movie did that. There was not, outside of the obvious, you get shot, you get stabbed, there was not 
50 people having their heads exploded by the fucking bomb. You know, there's no yeah. scene of, oh, yeah. well, we're going to take out half the cast. Every every character in this movie, even characters you don't spend any time with, you know their motivation and you know who they are. Like Yukiko and Kasuka, the girls who were calling for peace, you knew what they wanted. Mm-hmm. They wanted peace. There was even that kid. I don't remember who kills him. I think it was Kiriyama, actually. But the kid who wanted to go to, to get out so he could go to a better school, you have his motivation. Now, tell me what yeah. janitor number three's motivation in, in Belko Experiment. Tell me what anyone's motivation outside of the villain and the protagonist. Tell me their motivation in Belko. You can't. They're, they don't have motivations because they're not characters. They're only there to be killed, which in this movie... well. They do have motivations, think, but they're just, I call them paper thin motivations. Yeah, but they're, because I don't think anyone's motivation in this, this movie was very compelling either, though. But that's not the same thing I said. They don't have them in Belco. They have motivation in this. Not every, you don't have to, I, you don't, not everyone is going to be interesting. The fucking, um, the nerd who just wanted to live to go to college, I, rest in peace but you know, <laughs> he, he's not compelling. I didn't, I didn't want him sure. to get out of that situation. But if he had one, I would have been happy for him because, okay, well, I guess you get to go to school now. Every single person, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Not every single character, obviously. There's a lot of fodder in this movie. But I would think more than half, even if it's a couple seconds, you know what their motivation is. The fucking, um, what was her name? Uh, uh, Chigusa. Yes, exactly. She had dude. Chigusa and Hiroki are the couple I'm here. Yeah, they were awesome. They have such a small part in the movie, but I honestly, in her five minutes or or three minutes, maybe even of being unseen, they told me every bit of that story I needed to know. Right, and and had a lot of fun stuff where like you see her imagining Hiroki being with her when she's running like he's on the bike yeah just for her to snap back to reality and then they play in on that whenever she's actually dying at the top of that dam and he comes in and she's like please don't let this be another cruel joke and it's like she's not talking Hiroki she's talking to God right <laughs> yeah absolutely and then you know that for sure because she follows up by God please let me say one more thing even uh, even yeah, the dude, kid that she still a better love story than Twilight exactly well even the kid <laughs> that she kills he has a motivation no matter how negative that motivation is which is just he he Stabbing wanted to fuck dick. her um he had that that motivation in that scene you know it doesn't have to be he wants to save the world that you know you don't need mm-hmm. that but every character well, had a flavor you have a you have a sub motivation on top of right. that. I, this is important for me to get to Belko experiment again. Yeah, I think you're being a little bit overly on Belko experiment. I agree with you in that Belko experiment doesn't do enough. Every character in Belko experiment has the blanket motivation that Blake has already said is fine for him. Well, yeah, sure, which is just survival. Yeah, right. But- and then you have the couple of them that have motivations. Again, like this is just going off the dome, and this is a movie I've only watched the first time. You have the guy who has the motivation of him having the character arc. And again, <clears throat> it, it, the movie did need more of them in Belko Experiment. But you have the guy who keeps looking at the picture of his family, and he decides to turn from what he actually wants to do to follow the person he thinks is going to win because it's not about survival so much as it's about survival for the sake of his family. And 
So you do get what you're talking about here and there in the Belko experiment, but not nearly enough. And it's drowned out by a bunch of meaningless deaths of people that you never do get to know any kind of motivation outside of the blanket survival. Now, where this movie goes is that, again, you have the blanket survival, but what you start to layer on top of that is what makes things more interesting because clearly everyone's trying to survive. But then you start going through and be like, okay, well, what do you do more? You have a want to survive, but then you have a confliction with that. Like, let's go back to the couple who jump off the cliff at the very beginning. Oh, of that them. scene was really good. Oh, right? real quick. Can I just say what my notes on that were? Yeah. We, yeah. Sure. Go ahead. Stupid ass girl threw her bag off the cliff. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, her food and drinks were in there. At least save those. I had that thought <laughs> too. Just, Jumped off. I was like, oh, okay, never mind. I get it. <laughs> See, when I realized what they were going to do, I was like, why didn't you at least eat first? <laughs> <laughs> like a last meal? Well, because that, yeah. that, that would have almost made the scene a little bit better if it's those two just sitting down, having a conversation and eating, and then they kill each other themselves at the, at the end of that. That would have almost been a little more haunting. I mean, that might have been one of those where you could have cut, and maybe they did, but I think that would have worked for me. I could see that. But going back to like the bigger point, I okay. guess, is like let's use that pretty quick scene as a good example of two people that were killed off just as quickly as any of the people that were killed in the Belko experiment. But in those, in that, what, 30 seconds that there happened to be in this two hours of movie, you automatically understand enough of them to feel sympathetic for them, at least a little. And what it comes down to is, using that as the exact example, is they have a want to survive just like everyone else does, but <clears throat> the they also have a need to not kill people. Yeah. And that need conflicts with their want. So the only solution they have is to just kill themselves so they don't have to take part in something that they, don't, they never wanted to begin with. And that's automatically more compelling than just saying, hey, your head's going to get blown up. Yeah. Because you were just, you were meant to be fodder. They still end up coming off as, in the long run, their goal in the movie is to just be quick fodder. But I think the reason that this movie works so much more, we talked about feeling human. The fact that every human that dies gets a death scene where you see their body and you see their name come up and say that they're dead and then they also get a call out. It's almost like it's the movie acknowledging that they existed to begin with and you know all their names, even if they're quick throwaway characters. Again, a movie like Belko, which is more concerned about trying to keep its runtime down, it says, well... We don't need to know these 60 people's names because we're going to kill them off. This movie goes, well, we're going to kill them off, and maybe it'll be quick, but we're going to make sure you know their name, yeah. and we're going to I'll, make sure to repeat their name every time they pass. I like that, too. I would have rather the runtime been shorter, though. Yeah, see, I would have watched more of this movie. <laughs> I don't. By By the time it hit like an hour 30, I was like, okay, I'm losing interest. And I probably would have ended up turning it off if it wasn't for the podcast. Like, I don't know that I would have pushed through to watch the whole thing. Because, again, I didn't care about any of these characters. And every time it dove into their backstory, I just cared less. Because then I was spending time not watching people get killed. And maybe I went into this movie with the wrong mindset. You know, almost 20 years of hearing people rave about how bloody and gory and awesome this action movie is. And, like, half of it is, like, exposition. Yeah, well, it just really turned me off throughout. That kind of goes back to the thing we talked about with Scarface, where it's kind of like this isn't really an action movie; it's a drama, in my opinion. You know, sure, I agree. And like I said, that could be the well, thoughts not, of my own, or you know, yeah, expectations not, that I had of it than the movie itself. And I'm, I don't think it's a bad movie by any means. I just don't think it. I think it could have been much better. As well, okay, I think it's a great drama. Mm-hmm. 
that has that has a lot of good action yeah. to me in it. I, I, but I think where we're coming from here for you, Blake, is that you wanted it to be a better action movie with some okay drama in it. You just yeah, kind of no drama the at inverse all. of what we wanted. <laughs> or I should yeah. say, and I guess that the reason this is more compelling to me, and you, you got to, and like this, just for Chris's benefit, I'm somebody who liked Belko, and actually, the most interesting thing about this movie to me, at least as an immediate thing, I did really enjoy the movie. Is that it actually made me like the Belko experiment less. Oh, it made me like Belko more. I would Good. watch Belko again before I watch this. That and, and I th- and I knew uh, that you were about to say that. That's such it's a because bad the Belko take. experiment <laughs> clearly leans into what you want from this movie. Yeah, and I think even though I understood Chris's argument in the Belko experiment, I I felt like he was being a little too hard on it. I, and I still feel like he's done that a couple times today. But I understand where he's coming from because watching sure. this movie only strengthens his arguments. And shows more yeah. of what the Belko experiment was lacking. And if I'm going to be honest, I think the reason the Belko experiment was lacking is because the difference that tw- 17 years makes, realistically, if you think about between the two movies, I think that the Belko experiment, while being a fun watch and still having some artistic value, I think, here and there and having some really beautiful scenes, Wonderful I think the CGI. Belko experiment... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's some there's some shoddy effects in this too but the, because it's not an action movie and it's more drama you care less but well the effects are smaller so when like the blood when they're getting true. shot with the uzi looks like garbage it's a lot <laughs> yeah. different than like yeah. a five second shot of a building that's completely animated and exactly but i think damn blake you threw me off um sorry <laughs> oh I think that the Belko experiment is very indicative of where the majority of the film industry is now in comparison to where it was when technology was actually at a much smaller place. So can I like, sorry, it's fine. Really? That's a good spot to just see what y'all think about it. Because to me, I feel like often a lot of older movies tend to have a little bit more heart and be okay with running longer. Whereas it's not that it's impossible nowadays, but it's more commonly the norm that you're going to worry about making your movie shorter and more constantly seeking your attention than having something that's more thoughtful. And I don't disagree, but also I think it's just the type of movie that this is compared to like, like it's not that I don't like long extended dramas. You know uh, what I mean? I mean, we know clearly that. You do. I fucking raved about once upon a time in America and that is the like what three scenes of like minimal action in that movie so it's not that like oh there was like emotion in this movie like fuck that i just want to see people die like for this movie yes that is true but it's not like my stance on movies does that make sense absolutely yeah and i think anybody who's listened to the show for a while knows that's true of you it's just what you wanted from this individual film it's not something yeah it's not indicative of your wants but i do think when you take that down movies the film industry regardless of whether it's actually true of the reflection on the people who are trying to go watch movies regardless what it comes down to is that the film industry is leaning into what makes them the most money so even if you go watch the movie and then leave and go well that movie really wasn't that great and you never watch it again but it made bank in the box off box office because they were able to just rope yeah. it in then they've done their job and i think the reason that you think about that is, is like i have literally zero want to watch any of the three star Wars films that came out from the new trilogy. They were fine and they made a ton of money, but are they really revered movies? No, they're not sure. And that's an interesting standpoint. Really, really good. 
it, I mean, it was solid, and I, and maybe I'd watch it if it happened to be on, but I wouldn't actively seek it out. Seek yeah. it out. Whereas, like, I mean, hell, I haven't I said, even seen the third one yet. <laughs> yeah, and I'm kind of I'm kind of glad I bought this movie for a dollar more than renting it would have cost because I it, on a slow day where I don't have much going on, I would totally put this on again. I think my issue is that the characters, like, I mean, I hate to rehash this, but like, I don't like any of the characters. I don't think they have any redeemable qualities. Any of them. So just digging into these characters for any extended period is more of just like I don't care. Well, let's does that does that make Chris, sense? Chris, no, yeah, but, but yes. out of curiosity, Chris, yeah, do you, are you okay with me kind of just trying to figure out something here with Blake? Well, let me say one thing and then I'll let you guys take it. So Go just so it. I can kind of clear up a little bit on Belko versus this one, and we can move on. Otherwise, we should just title this Battle Royale versus Belko Experiment. But <laughs> um, Sorry. No, I don't mind. I'm just making a joke. The reason... Two movies enter, only one can leave. Yes. You know you can't make jokes here. The thing, the thing for me with movies is you need to either give me a good story or you need to give me something fun to watch. The difference here is Belko tried to do a little bit of both and for me failed at both of them because they didn't sure. they didn't do interesting kills there's no argument that any kill in that movie is interesting outside of maybe the head crush in this movie the kills weren't nearly as interesting as they could have been but there was enough story for me to forgive that belko doesn't work because nothing was interesting belko is background noise Belko is the same reason sure. I listen to a podcast over and over again because I just need something slightly distracting. Whereas this movie, right. I ha- I sat down and watched. I had my phone down the whole time. I don't think I missed a single thing in Belko, and I don't think I paid attention to half that movie. I was so bored. So yeah, you know. and that's how I felt in this one. And I think that's just where we differ. Like I don't think either one of us is right or wrong. You know what I mean? It's just I mean I our think you're wrong. Each so. <laughs> You know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a no, debate like, show, friend. <laughs> Just fucking. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's the opposite. You know, I don't think anything in this movie was redeemable. Like it was, it wasn't bad. Like I said, it wasn't a poorly made movie. It wasn't garbage or anything. But the characters weren't interesting, and the kills weren't interesting. So if half the movie is about characters and half is about kills, and I don't like either one, then what am I watching? And that's how you oh, feel wow. about Belko, and I get that. That's fine. Yeah. While we're on the topic of the characters being interesting and the kills being interesting, I, I mean, I think I've we, me and Chris have both clearly argued as to why we think that the characters are interesting. But I will say that, like Chris says, maybe the kills weren't as over the top as a lot of the Belko was because it's this movie seemed to be a lot more about trying to be grounded. I honestly think the craziest thing that happened in this whole movie is just from like a trying to be like again i think it's trying to show a villain and the most villainous life that they can is when kiriyama cuts the guy's head off and shoves a grenade in that was the most over the top moment to me it felt like they were trying to be rambo for a split second and it didn't completely lose me but it did kind of feel like okay this is where the movie kind of seems like it's it's stepping out of its bounds but um i I think think the most interesting kills in the movie they didn't even show so I, like I would the say two dead yeah, guys in the bathroom or whatever that thing was the bathhouse that were naked see yeah, i like that you're, you're actually going toward you're going to exactly what i was talking about <laughs> is that it's the implication of interesting exactly. kills in a in, in a way that is meant to be 
I won't say environmental storytelling. I think of that because of gaming. But you're since you're not walking through the area and getting to potentially find these on your own, instead it's being presented to you, it's world-building information. What they're doing is implying what happened. And like what I love about that scene is that scene actually makes um, Mitsuko even more interesting of a character because yep. it's clear that it was her, but you're left to your own devices as to what she did. In my mind there when they first showed that, for I, I was like – I was like, did she seduce these guys in the bathhouse to get them vulnerable and naked before turning on them and killing them? I would rather be shown in a movie about killing people. Show me the kills. Well, that then okay. Even if it's back, like, hold on, we go back to that's not what if the they movies do that. <laughs> I, I would agree with that too. But if if where the, what the movie clearly saw is valuable, let's say that they left the movie entirely alone, but also added that in every time that one of those interesting kills gets added. Now the now the runtime's up to two hours and fifteen minutes. Right. Two hours Cut out all minutes. the shit that didn't matter and put the kills in. That shit matters. Which, oh, which, which leads me to my question. And this is where I was wanting to go with it, Chris. Is <clears throat> I, maybe you can't because sometimes you really just can't. But this is a genuine curiosity. And I think it may even help me, Chris, and even listeners who may disagree with you or agree with you. Maybe they'll find this. Do you have something that makes you feel like the, that makes these characters not compelling to you? Like, is there something that actively makes you not like them or is it just a base doesn't click with you? I think that it started too fast. And as we established kind of earlier in the backstory doesn't make any sense where the kids don't know about the law and the law is like, is it really a law or is it this like renegade group that it never explains and is also makes like the backstory kind of shitty. And so these sure. kids just wake up and then there's no like exposition about them. Like I would have rather them have taken 20 minutes to like be in that room, them guessing what the hell they're doing there and learning about them that way. Then so, them running I out of the say, room, starting to get and killed learning about each and other then backstories that I don't give a fuck about. So some of it's not backstories though. And that's kind of what I was curious about. Like, so even in the room, right? I feel like you learn a lot right there. You learn who's friendly to who you learn, who's kind of cowardly and who's a little bit more like, you know, the, um, Miram, whatever Miramo or whatever the guy's name was, who was the hacker. Yeah. Um, you see him and you see that he's clearly someone who understands the situation, but is also not afraid to kind of try and understand what's going on and kind of show bravery, bravery that way. Sure. Uh, and you learn so you learn like girls who are uh, the, the girls that are grouping together and being friends. You learn about who is friends, who's not friends. You learn about who likes who, who maybe doesn't like who I mean, it's, you learn stuff in that situation, but I should say more like even when you get out there, I get that they I, – I do agree with the fact that the story is set up. But let's – like, you know, when honing in specifically on the characters, uh, character interactions in this movie, almost, you know, devoid of the moment up to the kill or, you know, devoid of the kill moment. I feel like there's a lot that you get to see which is for the express purposes of, of understanding these people. You get to see – Mitsuko and her coming up on people. Sometimes it's people who she's like friends with, but then you get to learn that she really wasn't friends with them and that that friend thought she was going behind her back and stealing her boyfriend. And they, and that fight, while it did have the uh, survival yeah. element to it, also had this added element of character motivations that you're learning by dialogue and in a natural way, not just like a trying to cram it down your throat real quick so you understand instead it's like hey this conversation is naturally unfolding with information that makes you understand more of why both of them have the motivation to do what they're doing on top of mitsuko's natural motivation to kill to survive 
So I guess those those moments did nothing for you, like seeing all the like seeing the two girls at the top of the hill. I know it sounds weird, but it's a small character detail that I think goes a long way. To have those two girls at the top of the hill, it, it shows you that they're naive. Well, yeah, it all shows the kids you were that they want to be peaceful. Yeah, of course. Almost everybody but, made dumb decisions in this movie. Well, let's go back to like the very first thing, right? One of the things I was really surprised at with this movie is that as soon as they go out, oh as yeah, soon, as it's soon as Shuya makes it out, there's already a girl with an arrow in her neck. Yeah, I like that part a lot. <laughs> I, I mean, I put that in my nose. I was like, holy shit, it already started. Okay, let's go. <laughs> I'm not even joking for a split second. I thought Whatever they were they carried had. to like an area. Like, I don't oh. know why. Maybe that's my Fortnite and PUBG shit getting to my head. But I was like, they got to get dropped off somewhere. Like, they don't just start immediately. <laughs> well, what you're supposed to like hit thinking. a rock or something with a pickaxe for a while before it starts, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm curious for you guys. Was there that part you were talking about whenever Kiriyama and Katawagawa or whatever his name was were going down the hall and like they're up against each other because Katagawa goes back and grabs the bag yeah. while they're both in the hall? I was like, if you know the end game is just to kill everybody, I kind of like had a split second of just wanting to see uh, Kiriyama just like searching his bag hallway. and then just fucking <laughs> cap Katagawa yeah. or whatever his name was just in the face like poof, from behind, be like one down. I was kind of surprised that. <laughs> Like nobody try. I was like wondering, is someone just gonna turn around and start shooting? Like I was a little and shocked. Snap somebody's neck in the classroom, dude. You'd automatically win if you searched your bag and you had a gun, and then everyone who was coming out, you just cap, cap. Yeah. <laughs> the only, the biggest thing I think this movie missed out on was um, the hacker guy, like you mentioned, and his two pals with all their explosives and shit. I was really hoping they were gonna like raid the base house or whatever. Yeah. And they didn't, and it was like, oh, fuck. That, I mean, that whole storyline just kind of went nowhere. Yeah, but it didn't, because that's the only reason they beat uh, Kiriyama. They blinded yeah, yes, him. <laughs> but it just felt anticlimactic to me, because I was waiting the whole movie for them to, like, oh, shit, they're getting fertilizer, and they're going to make bombs and all yeah. kinds of shit. I think that and was the just plan. Kinda was like, but... oh, it just, like, whatever. Like, exactly, that was the plan, and I wanted them to do it. I mean, they hacked into the system and got their power, like, he shut the power down. I was like, fuck, yeah, they're about to raid this fucking bo- like, house and get the weapons there. So, I don't know. I, I get it where just you're... felt like it died for me. I get where you're coming from on that, but I think that would have made it more unrealistic than the premise itself is you know <laughs> sure and that makes sense like i mean like you said the premise itself is real unrealistic but the movie as a whole was realistic does that make you know what i mean yeah yeah no i get what you're saying it's like it was never monsters or shit yeah <laughs> well one part i thought was cool about that and again this is a part where the movie shows you instead of telling you and i like how nobody even actually blurts it out it's just like if you weren't paying attention then you probably didn't see it or notice it uh whenever the two transfer students, you know, Kiriyama and the other dude, uh, whenever they're fighting after that explosion scene, I like that Kiriyama's blind. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, and yep, he's yep, bleeding yep, yep. from his eyes and shit. Yeah. Also because, dude, that scene, whenever they're just looking over the fire and then from the top of the hill, you just see Kiriyama. I was like, this is so fucking anime. <laughs> yeah. But you know what that scene really reminded me of? Um, it reminded me of... Spoilers for Breaking Bad in five seconds. 
when when Gus died, I wasn't I wasn't doing that for you. <laughs> well, thanks. I would hope you would do it for me. What if I hadn't seen it? Um, when when Gus dies, <laughs> um, and he goes to straighten his yeah, suit up, and he and walks out, falls over. Like, did he? Did he really? And there's that part of you that thinks he might have because he's kind of been this like almost superhero throughout the entire show, and then it kind of yeah. pans over, and you're like. Oh no, he's dead. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it it, it had that, that same scene is so good. It is. And see, the thing I liked about the Kiriyama scene is like because he was blinded, that fight didn't even need to happen. Yeah. It was just kind of par for the course and the and not in a way that felt like dumb. It felt like, yeah, you know, that's just kind of he's been this killing machine this whole time, so it makes sense that even though he knows he's at a disadvantage, he's just going to go ahead and fight anyway. Yeah. There was a part of me that was kind of like, "Oh, you thought this was me at my full power?" Ah! And then he just starts shooting. It's <laughs> like, "I am not blind anymore." Starts killing them all. They spend uh, five episodes having him train, and then he comes back and beats them. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. fight itself Sh- is four Shuya, more. Actually, the, the whole setup for it is that Shuya is trying to transform, and that <laughs> the other transfer student who's fighting Kiriyama is just doing so, so he can buy time. You know what, though? <laughs> yeah. We're talking about, <laughs> we're, we're making a joke, but in a lot of ways, like, he kind of goes out the same way Piccolo does. <laughs> we're just <laughs> saving everyone else. That's true. Um, yeah. Real quick, um, we talked about this being semi-realistic. That that Uzi, how many bullets does that clip hold? Or how many uh, clips did he have? I, I wanted he the had. same thing, and clearly ammo is a little disregarded here. Sure, but, but like I also that was like the whole movie of killing people. Yeah, but he changed the clips a few he times. He did. And I was kind of. I appreciated that because yeah. at first I thought the same thing, and then they went out of their way to show it. I said, "That's nice." And he specifically, they specifically show ammo boxes. Like they're not. Yep. You're not going to see these scenes That's of them true. loading yeah. clips, but they did enough where they're like, "Okay, they do have ammo." <laughs> they're implying yeah. that this has to be happening, right? Now, it's still. Nice. I couldn't help but think it. I guess. I no, you know, you're right, Which, but I'm just saying they did enough for me. Shout out to Belko because they also did the same thing Stop. once they started yes. producing guns. You're right, Brett. Shout out to Belko. I'm going to start bleeping Belko and that word, and we're just going to have an entire show of bleeps. What, what, what word? word? We won't know unless you say it. We can't. The word beep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean um, moist. Blake? As the editor of this show, you're now kicked off. <laughs> Welcome to Triangle Squared, a spoiler podcast. <laughs> um, no, uh, let's see. So we we kind of glanced over it, but I I actually really appreciated that it was in the movie. Yeah, just because like when you're sitting this, you're put in this position. We talked about the guy who got to Chigusa, Chigusa, or whatever her name was. Um, yes, Hiroki and, and Chigusa. Yeah, but the guy, it was like Naoi or something like that. Anyway, the guy who is, has the crossbow and he's trying to essentially. Raper. At first, well, I mean, what I really liked about it is that it started in a way of something I could actually see happening of two people being like, you know what? We've never had sex. I love you. Yeah. And I want to have sex with you. And neither one of us have had it. We're about to probably die. Do you just want to do it? I was like, that's an interesting way to come about that because it's something that. People probably don't want to admit, but I think a lot of people think sometimes like would be interesting, like you know, to go while having sex. Yeah. <laughs> well, they do that. They do that. I know Blake. You you like this movie, but uh, Cabin Fever has that exact scene where they're like, "I'm going to die, so I we might as well fuck." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a very human. Yeah. thing. I will I'm say thinking. though, so, I really thought 
for like a couple of minutes that she was gonna fuck i think her i think his name was hiroki like at right at the end when she was dying i thought so too i was like please <laughs> please don't do that <laughs> like please don't show and me i'm that. glad they didn't as well yeah. i was like i i know that they kind of hinted that you know she cleared i i like the way that whole thing was handled mm-hmm. actually and i don't know if there's any kind of cultural significance to that but i like the fact that it was like you don't like anybody do you and she's like you certainly don't like me and he's like no but clearly he's basically saying i love you yeah i i'm that was a fantastic i appreciated scene. the restraint in that scene because a lot of, i think a lot of movies would have had them have this like great kiss and she dies as she's kissing him and then he jumps off the cliff because he's so sad i'm really glad they and didn't i know do part of it is very japanese but the fact that they choose to have both of their di- like the, the dying word there is like <laughs> the fact that it's like you're you're uh, you're pretty cool and then he's like yeah you're pretty cool too yeah, and then they just <laughs> pass away this movie but i love it because it's like the perfect thing for teenagers yeah. but it's also very japanese this, this movie had a lot of really good death death one-liners where like um we were talking about tracker boy when he dies and the girl's over his body he's like what am i supposed to do now and then misuki watches walks in and just goes die and just shoots her like that's fucking awesome and then when uh um, that's basically terminal what's his name shit. uh kitano when he dies and he's just like damn good cookies and just passes away like, that's <laughs> fucking awesome. he just like put it on his tongue for a second yeah he didn't even eat that shit he wasted it someone else could have had a cookie <laughs> Honestly, for a split second, because you know early in the movie that she says, you didn't get to try any of the cookies, did you? Yeah. I was like, is he about to offer the last cookie up because he heard her say that? That would have been actually really interesting if he was just like, oh, you never had one. Yeah. Um, Can we talk about one scene, The one of the scenes in this movie that doesn't make it? You're the host, so I suppose we could. Yeah, I'm just being polite. We're doing what I want. (laughs) Thanks, man. Um, Actually, no. Oh, okay. What do you want to talk about, Blake? Just kidding. So the scene. So my favorite part of the Belko experiment. Okay, how do I mute? <laughs> I'm gonna mute Blake. Um, no, but there's okay, one scene ahead, in this pal. movie that stood out as just super weird, and that's when Katano comes into the the game, and it's just talking to them. Do you remember? You know that scene with the umbrella. You remember what I'm yeah. talking about? I didn't understand why that was happening. I didn't either. I was assuming it was because he felt he felt the connection to her because she was the only student in that class who actually yeah, cared. That was, it was weird in the moment, but it was foreshadowing for the eventual reveal that he was essentially like rooting for rooting her for her. Yeah. But my thing, and that's also why he didn't, he gave her the umbrella yeah. specifically to her and almost sounded glad that he had like, that she had Shuya with him. Like, Oh, with her, like, okay. Right. Yeah. You've got somebody actively protecting you still good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, in the moment, though, weird. Yeah, it was like, this is... It, I, it felt like a dream sequence, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. And th- Also, the, the dream sequence thing, speaking of that, between them was very awesome, like, very odd. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad they came back later and kind of talked about it, though there was this part of me, and I wonder if it existed in either of you, where when that dream sequence was going on, before she woke up and even mentioned it, I was like, is this bitch dreaming about her, like him warning her that this was coming and she knew all along and she actually did invite uh, Nobu on purpose? <laughs> yeah, I, I can know. see it. I don't know. Um, 
to me also fun fact nobu means trust trusty friend trustworthy friend. um i only know that because the ghost of tsushima so shout out to sucker <laughs> that's what i named my um, second horse Nobu. i was really glad that they uh set him up uh kitano in the beginning and they they did what belko did where it was like no we're fucking serious when he just throwing knives that girl directly in the forehead yeah it's like oh <laughs> shit and i like that they set that up where he throws the chalk and he's like guys i'm warning you stop talking and then he just fucking yeah. stabs her in the face i was like no whispering damn. yeah <laughs> damn man you got some aim that was a really good scene i still uh, was think either the kitchen scene or him cheering along to the video is my favorite scene in the movie the kitchen scene i the ki- the kitchen scene was one of the only scenes in a movie in a long time where my mouth was like agape the entire time where i was like oh <laughs> shit like that was really awesome man when she's just holding the blood in her mouth and it just explodes out it's like yeah Fuck. oh yeah dude and also the fact that no one thought about who made the plate. Like, it was so interesting, that girl's role and, like, how she had kind of been surviving through this. That, like, nobody bothered to think it was her. Yeah. <laughs> but I also liked that she was so overcome with guilt that she, like, had to kill herself. Yeah. It, it was, again, it's all these humanizing moments. But while we're talking about crazy shit. Sure, sure, sure. Um, nobody has brought it up yet. And it's one of probably the most, I I understand it lines but also it just kind of made me be like holy fuck is that like dedication and commitment i didn't catch the girl's name oh no i did uh, hirono the girl that i was talking about mitsuko fighting that uh, was you know saying like you stole my boyfriend and all that stuff but in all that banter that's kind of happening between where it's like oh i found these two people and i also found this other girl it looks like someone stayed the night over there i found a tampon in the toilet and i checked the other i checked her and it was she wasn't on hers i was like yeah, that was Holy super shit. gross yeah I, sh- <laughs> I had that same reaction where i was like what did you do you, you did what to a dead body yeah. <laughs> dude you gotta be cautious man i mean i get it but I wouldn't have done it. I check all dead bodies like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Like oh, I guess he. I guess they do poop when they die. <laughs> <laughs> the old South Park joke. Yeah. I told you, you shit your pants when you die. Um. Oh man. So I guess have we all gotten our stuff out of our system? I know that me and Brett are kind of very against blake's take but i i can see where well where blake's coming from i just think it's okay to be wrong yeah that's what i was about to say I, to you so very funny here <laughs> so uh, look you all have played way more than me uh i've not played fortnite it's the only one i haven't played i have uh, played fortnite so well i say that i didn't play radical I like either. three or four games but that also wasn't before. a very big one so going back to the idea of the basic premise of a battle royale right yeah one of the things that kind of stood out to me as the most interesting aspect of this going in being no thinking about it being called battle royale and what i know of the games i was really surprised and also like pleasantly surprised that they had the thing of like i understand that even the games like you the, the da- first thing the that you run up on well the danger zones i like that yeah but it's i more thought that was the, really cool that was more like PUBG too because it changes yeah yeah and it's not like a huge, I, doesn't PUBG change spots or is it a big circle actually too? i haven't played PUBG either so i apologize PUBG I has know. areas What's, that get that get like blown out but anyway brett please continue okay 
Yeah, so going back, it, it wasn't that so much as it was the idea that everyone gets a bag immediately. That was kind of cool because that's not true in any of those games. It's kind of like you have to land and then find something. And when you find something, it could be something fantastic or it could be something not all that great. Yeah. But I like the idea that they, and they kept calling them weapons. Mm-hmm. But I like that it wasn't all like actually weapons it's like if you really think about it a weapon is just a deadly tool yeah sure and i like that the way they were kind of choosing to look at this is like all tools are essentially weapons and i don't know that it's happened in a game but i actually kind of would love the idea of seeing one of the battle royale games go to this way to where you get something like a tracker it's like fallout you can pick up anything well i mean (laughs) but it would be kind of interesting right to be like oh well i mean of them all i think the tracker was probably the most interesting one but there's also like this was presumed by me but the poison that she pours in yeah that was her weapon yeah i I assume assume so. so yeah Okay, so I don't know what's what more mean. useless though: binoculars or a pot lid. Binoculars, and again, clearly. binoculars, pot lid. But clearly, we we saw the pot lid in action. We didn't get to see them use the binoculars, which actually made me a little sad. We did. We I saw it with uh, like, Yukiko and Kasuka. Oh, did they use? Yeah, that's they were like, I would assume like five hundred meters away, like through the trees. Oh, they were far away, but I just thought that they were they were saying who it was. Remember, they were like, "This is Yukiko." Yeah, but they did use the. It, do, it doesn't matter, but they did use them. And that's yeah, I missed it. that too. Well, I'm, I'm glad they got used. That was my basic point. But uh, across the board, I liked how there was kind of this idea of things seemingly being useless and then <laughs> other things being really useful, even when it may have been a flip of what you'd expect. Like, you know, clearly everybody's kind of looking for the gun, and that's like the thing you'd think about first. But I like how Mitsuko gets so far with just a sickle. Yeah. Yeah. What um? Who got the bag that that dude brought back? I'm really bad with names, but they got the bandana around his forehead. Yeah, um, I, I Katagawa or something like that. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know. I don't think it ever says because you don't know what was in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, I it, just it, it didn't go. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think. I actually, for a second, thought that they were going to show every person walking out. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. yeah. They just decided that whenever Shuya walks out is when the movie needs to continue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, they didn't show that because after that, they kind of just go about their business. I wonder if he had the pot lid. He's like, no, fuck that. I'm going back. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets the fan. What's more interesting to me is he didn't even open the bag. It's almost like he just, I assume, like he weighted it and was like, mm, I don't know. This doesn't seem heavy enough. See, that's the one weird thing about that scene is like if he if that was the case, then he definitely doesn't take the, the next bag he got because he got a fucking fan. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true um, hey the fan's useful though yeah i mean i wrote in my notes uh, five people with it. that's what i was gonna say kiyokama somehow turned uh <laughs> a fan into two grenades a machine gun and a revolver <laughs> oh since i brought up the grenades can we talk about the best kill when <laughs> the most anime kill in the whole movie when he gets that guy with the bulletproof vest and then he slow pulls out the samurai sword and jumps off the <laughs> roof and kills him but then uh, decapitates him stuffs a grenade in his mouth and throws it through the window <laughs> yeah yeah brad mentioned yeah. it a little bit earlier Oh, you wow. know what's crazy about that part though is to me, it was very, it was over the top on purpose. So maybe oh, yeah. it would happen. I the whole time I kind of felt like the whole cliche of people being like the you know the black lady in the theater being like 
yelling out stuff, I did kind of want to be like, shut the fuck up, oh, yeah. dude. Like, that was the, you survived. Yeah, that was the one scene where I'm like, why is he doing this? Why is he screaming? I don't understand what the logic is here. Well, like, I know in his mind he had like listened for the people to walk away. But if they've walked away and then like 20 seconds later getting up and yelling, then of course they're going to hear you. Yeah. It just felt dumb. Yeah, I agree. That was the that was one of the few scenes where I'm like, I don't think that worked. But but the only thing about it is, is it kind of did make once he was on top of the roof funnier. It, yeah. It, like in a weird way. Like it was dramatic, but it was also funny because it was like, ah, you dumb motherfucker. Just that slow <laughs> like pull out of the sword. He's like, <laughs> I expected to get yeah. the shot of him just jumping down and stabbing through his his neck or something. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Well, I think the only place really left to go is favorite kills, which I'm assuming that Blake didn't have one. I'm assuming, maybe you did, but you seem to not love them as much. So we'll start with you. What was your favorite uh, kill there, Blake? <laughs> I didn't hate the kills. Really. Like, they were still interesting and fun. It just wasn't. And again, I like I said, my expectations were high because I've heard so much about this movie like in the past, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I really liked um, Mitsuko and the uh, guy who chose to do it, their little battle, you know? Yeah. And she hit him with a sickle and it turned out he had the bulletproof vest on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's my favorite kill, but that's probably my favorite, like, death scene, I guess. Or maybe mm-hmm. the kitchen scene, too. It was really good. But the scene was really good. Yeah. Brett, how about you? I just wanted to mention that we lightly scuffed over the painting, but the painting made me audibly laugh. Yeah, it did. Uh, <laughs> it was very midsummer. Yeah, but, it was. But, <laughs> but, but past that, uh, I th- it, it's weird because it's kind of simple, mm-hmm. but it, it speaks a lot to what I think Blake was looking for, at least from the way I'm kind of taking what he's saying. It's not over the top. It's It was almost very realistic, but it was brutal just because of the way it is. When we first are introduced to Mitsuko, yeah. uh, it, more or less, you know, and she walks in with, to the girl with a taser and they're kind of talking and playing. And when she pulls it out and like grabs her and like slices it up against her neck and it's already kind of cutting her, but then you got to see her like pull it in a way that like separates her whole neck like first of all the effects were really good right there yeah that genuinely surprised me but also it felt so brutal and i think some of it was because of the coming in with false pretenses and like act i think it was part of like it set up Mitsuko as that evil character so well mm-hmm. yeah and so when it happened and being so brutal too i just felt like the whole moment coalesced into this like holy fucking shit yep. you know and i think the really so that, that was one definitely of the one of the things favorites. that's really good about that scene is the first time you see someone betray someone else because i think we've yeah. gotten used to like oh everyone's friends in the end and instead it was like i'm your friend until you shut this door and then <laughs> you dead bitch like <laughs> <laughs> well because like one of the only other scenes that we had really seen of like death besides you know we saw the fat guy or whatever shoot the crossbow into the girl's neck but it was almost like he even had remorse by the time that he's like what have i done yeah 
Um, but the only other scene that we'd really seen, and it's interesting that they were pretty close together. I think it was right before the Mitsuko scene is when you see Kiriyama going into that group and they're like, well, we're not going to kill you. We're just, you know, we want to know what you got in your bag. Like what's, what are your tools or whatever? <clears throat> and then he kind of spits the gum on the dude to goad him into lunging toward him so he can take the Uzi and just spray them all. Yep. That was a sick scene, it was. but it was also like, we're trying to go ahead and set up this guy as probably just a straight cold hearted villain. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then we got to see mitsuko you know yeah i really like that we had that like dueling set of like male and female just psychopath murderers which again <laughs> without that backstory you you don't realize that mitsuko is not a psychopath murderer she's just like a, she's just a survivor you know I mean, I suppose she still is it's just by the time it's done you you feel sympathetic for her stance yeah but i i think that like is you know i just think that because of the way she was raised she did what she did if she hadn't had that experience obviously you know she's not doing that and she's not trained to survive in the same way um yeah but sure either way uh my favorite was most of just the masuko stuff because i just really liked her as a character <laughs> yeah she was definitely my favorite yeah she was she's also fine okay i'm glad someone else said that because i wasn't sure <laughs> i'm like I wasn't sure if I should say it because I, I wasn't, sh- you know, whatever. But she was so hot, dude. I don't. I'm gonna tell you. I'm kind of. I'm kind of just naturally weak for Asian girls. Anyway, I don't really know what it is. It's just something in me. See, I'm not uh, normally, but like it was just the fact that like she looked. I she think looked she also had the psycho people. hotness. That's what it was. Yes, she had. She was crazy, <laughs> and I'm very attracted to just insane girls as my past. And it's like we talked about when watching. Uh, the de- uh, not the devil's rejects i'm sorry house of a thousand corpses oh god how you know it's like you end up having this thing of like i don't know why and it's not a good idea yeah but i kind of want to fuck that girl oh my god <laughs> like she she'll kill me afterwards but it will have been worth it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, i think that her ahead. backstory took away from how much i enjoyed the character though so I think that we can move on to ratings. <laughs> if unless anyone has anything else to say about the, uh, no, I mean no. about the movie. Brett, how about you? Do you got anything else you want to go into before we uh, close this shorter episode of Midweek Matinee? Out? Matinee. Let me see real quick, just uh, you know, double check my while notes you're, here. While, oh, go ahead. This is the only thing that we didn't cover yet. <clears throat> genuinely confused me and it was part of the overall just week setup and they they kind of came back to it later and gave better setup with the whole dad suicide scene for shuya yeah but am i to believe from what these things are telling me that his dad killed himself and then also got toilet paper and wrote go shuya you can do it all over it <laughs> yeah i just assumed that that or was am a I suicide just misunderstanding note. what happened no to me it was one of those things where he just draped it over his shoulder his shoulder well i thought the same thing but then it had in parentheses go shuya you can do it yeah and i'm right. like but i think uh, okay i think that was more of just the father trying to be like you can you can do better than me kind of thing maybe yeah the, the thing that you didn't bring up that i'm shocked about is was that a suicide or was that death by autoerotic asphyxiation? Yeah, like, why the I, fuck were his pants that's down? That's what I wrote I, that. Every notes. time they showed it, I kept thinking about World's Greatest Dad. Which <laughs> yeah, not, now, hold Williams. on, has, has everybody seen that movie? I have not. Yeah, with Robin Williams. Oh. I've seen like, I know now, now I've you watched up. it, but I, I don't know what my movie for next it. week is. Fuck, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Well. But yes, um, I thought the same thing. There's just something about seeing him in that position. And I know that I don't think that, that was the intention, but it clearly had a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, I guess like the logical answer is that his pants fell off because he was hanging and clearly he'd been there for a while. But, you know, I think the only thing that would have helped it a little bit more is if he would have clearly been hanging by his belt. Yeah. Then you'd be like, oh, he took his belt off, so his pants fell. Right. Yeah, but when he's he's hung by like an extension cord, yeah, <laughs> you're just kind of like, hmm, okay. Yeah, it was borderline one of those like, did he really commit suicide things that they never go into in the movie? Um, yeah, I don't know. But other than that, I think the last thing I want to mention, and we don't have to go into this because we had a whole discussion about it. But the more I think about it, like, I'm starting to disagree with the set with the. Uh, um, notion that they don't set this up pro- very well because I think they do just enough where like if you're paying attention it gets set up where I think the whole thing is just about truancy and none of these kids go to class so that's why they were chosen and I think it helps but if that's but the hold on no, if no, no, that's no, the no, case no. and it's a punishment then what's the point of not telling anybody it's not a punishment if they don't know but they do that's they, like, but that's the also, thing they would on. have known if they went to school but the fact that they didn't go to school that, means that, they miss no. vital information. The only one that didn't go to school, from what we we're told, and what, what was we're the seeing, one dude in the front was the one dude who died. Immediately. No, they, they no. There's literally a scene where that entire class wrote on his chalkboard, "We don't feel like coming today. We're not coming." I know. There's that know, whole scene. But that's Those, literally the only one, and it's and from past that, it looks like everyone else is fine, and Nobu's the one who like legit stops coming to school. Yeah, but the only one that we hear, we the only time we see any of them in school other than um the other girl who survives i don't remember her name was uh the basketball game we never see them in class and the whole setup is that kids aren't going to school and it's not being forced anymore so if the the whole reason these kids wouldn't know about battle royale is because it's a new law because of the fact that kids aren't going to school and they weren't able to be taught about it in school because they weren't going and it seems like the majority of these characters don't have good family lives so, so here's an important question. That. It's a lot of leap to. I don't think conclusion. it is. Here, I think it's a very, very important plain in the movie. There's two things that really matter here, and I was curious because of the version I did. I think it's going to be in the one that you watched, Chris. Yeah. One of the biggest things that confused me, I started to watch the Netflix version of it on my phone with my VPN just it's to on see. on Netflix? Uh, on Japan Netflix. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so if you have a VPN, you can switch over. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, this episode is not sponsored by NordVPN, but <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> anyway. Um, Give me money. Yeah, so um, I did that real quick just to see if it was on there, and I haven't set the, the VPN up on my router yet, so I can't do it on my TV yet. Um, so I couldn't. I was like, all right, whatever. I'll just go buy uh, I'll go buy it to watch it. But I noticed at the beginning of the one that was on Netflix, it immediately started with the scene of seeing the picture of the class and being like, when I was 14, my, or when I was four, my mother died and something. But that is where it starts. But on the version that I rented, and I think presumably the same one that y'all, that y'all would have watched on Chris, um, would have been, did it start with a scene of sewing like a news crowd around a girl with braces yes. and being like, the winner's a girl? Yeah. Yeah. So that first of all, that immediately implies that this has been done before what we're seeing today, and it's widely like all over TV. They're surrounded by news crews. So then, even exactly. then, that kind of and gives then the secondary that. thing that happens is we are basically confirmed 
it seems like that uh, Kawadawa or whatever his name is, the the other transfer student who was good, was in one and survived. Yeah. So yeah. that we've had at least two of them because if he survived that one, it was the winner, and the girl was the survivor of that one. This is this has been done more than once. So then right. that even sets it up better because all of that means is that they don't know when they're being taken. So it has nothing to do with them not knowing that battle royale exists. No, and everything the to do with the fact said, that they were kidnapped. Do y'all know what battle? Do y'all know what the BR law is? And no one said yes. So he no, said, "Okay, well, let me explain it." Well, nobody responded. That doesn't mean they don't know what it is. <laughs> but they I all, disagree. But I think they it's heavily asked, implied they didn't. Heavily implied. And they asked questions. They said, why? What is this? What are we doing? You know what I mean? Right. I think but the entire premise of this them? movie falls apart it, with any in-depth look into it, I think. I think the concept of any battle royale falls apart with well, me. Well, okay. I'm not saying that... I don't. I didn't mean to say like well, battle royale is dumb. I was just... Of course it's dumb. It'll never happen. What I'm saying is I think the concept of this movie and that it being like this huge thing in Japan that everyone knows about all of a sudden, but then for some reason, none of these kids know about it. All of the people who are actually part of it don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just, it's a weird jump to conclusions that doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't ruin know. the movie. I, Other things ruin the movie, but you know, I don't know. Even, I don't know. Whatever. We can move on. I just kind of feel like that's a weird, um, hang up. Cause I just don't see it. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, it makes sense to me, but that's fine. I mean, I I generally get your thing, but I just think in comparison to everything else in the movie, it's the probably the weakest explained part. Right. I think if they hadn't pulled the shit at the end to what well, that was basically like setting up for a sequel, if they hadn't done that, I think it would have worked much better as just like, okay, these kids just didn't realize they were being taken and then because at that point if if they if they they're not wanted for murder which doesn't make sense if everybody knows they killed about the teacher it. yeah so that's that's why they're wanted for murder i think yeah they're not wanted for killing the other students they're wanted for killing the teacher right so i don't understand your point yeah i, I just think the ending of the movie makes the makes the setup make less sense but it just makes it more questionable. Yeah, I, I mean, think I don't think the setup makes it. any sense, but yeah, I well, got gotcha. I do. That's the point. <laughs> um, anyway, so Brett, what would you give the movie? What's your rating? I really, I'm, I've been trying not to do this lately because I felt like I've been accidentally becoming Blake, but I really like this movie. <laughs> yeah, I honestly think I would give it a five if I felt like the setup was more ironclad. I'm not saying it's pointless or it doesn't work at all. I just think that it. it Throughout the movie, it left me questioning why everything, why it was happening this way. Whereas, if it would have been set up and explained more, then I would have been able to just separate that and just be like, "I'm watching the movie, and now this is all this crazy stuff that's happening in the now within this movie." So I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna pull back and give it a four. Oh yeah, I give it a four. Really, I enjoyed the movie a lot, though. I would watch this again before I would watch Belko again. And I only bring that up because the movies are clearly similar. And I would argue that Belko is clearly inspired by this movie. Sure. Blake, how about you? I feel like I'm turning into Chris. I give it a 2.5. That's garbage. Uh, I gave it a 4 <laughs> out of 5. I can't believe that you gave this movie higher than Belko. I, I have to reevaluate my position on this show. Um... So Brett, you what now? 
Nothing. Uh, Brett. I think I no. I'm saying I think I gave Belko the same score. No, you gave it a three point five. I checked your letterbox because I saw your rating before the show. Um, okay. <laughs> Brett. Yeah, I actually went down on this one because I rated this one three originally, and I went That's down to two point five. Uh, Brett, what's your uh, pick for next week? You are the mystery music man. Well, my pick has already been determined. I originally was thinking about another movie, but I'm going to hold it what's on the my no, tongue. What's the movie? I want to know. No, go with the, the first one. Yeah, go with the first one. Oh, man. It's your World's pick. Pick Dad what you great want. great movie. <laughs> well, here's the thing about World's Greatest Dad is it's a hilarious movie in some ways, but it's also dark comedy. So it's wrapped up in a bunch of drama, and I'm curious to see if Blake is going to watch it, even though he's seen it before, and just shit all over it because he just wanted it to be nothing but funny. And not <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, listen, also, we've been complaining I about setups think for this it's whole a fantastic movie. movie. And okay. I want no. Hold on, everybody, be quiet, real no. quick. Y'all have been bitching me out for giving too many five stars, and all of a sudden, two weeks in a row, I give less than five, and I'm getting bitched out. What Hold the on. fuck do y'all want okay. from me? First hey, off, hey, hey, you gave I don't want a five. Two, I don't want a five. You me. gave two, you gave two very five. good movies bad ratings, and then you complained when people didn't like movies you picked. That's why we're giving you shit. <laughs> when I said I, I don't think elevator, oh, that is bullshit. I can go back. I actually <laughs> listen to this show, Blake. I know exactly what you say every time. <laughs> You whined about me not thinking uh, Nightmare Battle Royale. Royale. Five out of five. It's a perfect film. Like, stop giving so many fives. Just. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Um, Oh, I know. If I thought you were serious, I wouldn't be here. (laughs) So I think that does it for this week's episode of Midweek Matinee. So we did go with. Oh, yeah. Brett didn't actually pick. What are you picking? Are you picking that or are you picking your other movie? World's Greatest Dad. Okay, don't sound too excited, You buddy. sound so hyped to talk about World's Greatest Dad. Makes me more excited to see it. <laughs> if you were, if you listened to this week's episode and thought, hey, I want to hear a little bit more about that autoerotic asphyxiation, <laughs> well, you're in for a treat. <laughs> oh, sick. That's got me hyped and horny for the next movie. If uh, you like the idea of odd masturbation techniques and spy kids mixed together in one movie. I am sold. <laughs> That is a that is not a, an appropriate setup for anything. I don't think, Brad. No, I'm sold. No further explanation needed. I'm sold. I'll hey, they fucked up the spy kids thing. I can make spy kids anything. Once they said that Machete's part of the same universe, I as love spy that. Kids, oh, I love anything's it. possible. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and round this episode out. Yeah, take us out of here. Peace out. Thank brothers. you guys for joining me as always, Chris. Great hosting. Oh, that's, I enjoyed it. It's fun time. Thank you, Blake. Stop giving things five so often. God damn, man. God damn it. Like, like, just like better movies. We had to sit through, like we had to sit through the contrivance of a 10-year-old girl being out at midnight picking up key evidence in a murder How because you know it was midnight? It was a black and white movie. It could have been noon. Bro, it was dark. All right? Are you fucking kidding me, Blake? <laughs> it was while he was in the elevator. I like Elevator to the Gallows, and every time we talk about it, I like it less because you say some dumb shit like that. <laughs> I'm just saying, you have no idea what time it was. So, yes, anyways, I do. Brett. Look. Thank you all for joining us for this episode. I'm going to put a challenge out there. If you've listened to this show and you enjoy it at all, then recommend us to one of your friends or family that you think may enjoy listening to this uh shit show of a show. uh in, in the in a good way i think it's very fun like definitely it. this episode so uh 
we appreciate you guys for following us. If you want to check us out on social media and see what Blake posts over there, like a great picture of his cat while he's podcasting, then head over to Twitter at matinee underscore midweek. If you want to follow us on Facebook and keep up with us over there, you can do so at just midweek matinee. Uh, you can do so on Instagram, which if I'm not mistaken, we confirmed was midweek matinee. It was. So is not what you can find us all there and lastly if you would like to support the show with more than just your time and recommendations to other people which we are ever so grateful for you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month to directly support us in the show as well as get early access to the show getting it on the friday before it would come out on the wednesday so you get it five days in advance look at you special boy (laughs) but we're going to round that <laughs> off, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you to our patrons, Jarrell, Josh Green. Jarrell, Matthew Green. My, My name is Dan, Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Daniel Lomos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Joshua Lago, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonerd, Travis Blow, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figgs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, and last but certainly not least, Mr. Tyler B. Again, if you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you. and congratulations you have discovered the secret message midweek matinee is produced and edited by christopher figueroa music is by joshua lago thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us and lastly please send your itunes reviews to old pink care of the funny farm